Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Entercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train. <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing today? I don't know about you, but I'm I'm doing okay. Got my orange here, my uh, cup of tea, and I'm all set to go. And you know, we come to you here on the uh, Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m., and we are live. And if you want to be part of the show, all you got to do is call us at 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Good morning, Danny. Morning, Tom. Got hey. a special guest with us today. Uh, Ron Johnson is here. Oh, good morning. good morning, Ron. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Are you out in the hallway? No, I'm uh, I'm, I'm uh, three feet away from Dan. Tom, Tom yeah. now listen, like, <laughs> unlike you with that flip phone yet, we have smartphone technology and actually a splitter with headphones. And uh, double headphones, just like studio quality here, buddy. It's unbelievable. Well, that's kind of nice. But, uh, hey, Danny and yeah. uh, Ron, we, I got a couple of quick emails. Number one, oh, we got to start the day off with this. This is funny. This is from Paul, regular listener. He says uh, his uh, uh, headline is, Ouch, fish with John Gillespie, and he'll give you a free ear piercing. <laughs> Did you hear about that? I saw it, yep. Um, well, you know, we had to see how tough Blake was. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure she felt bad, you know, getting her ear pierced, but I'm sure John felt just terrible for doing yes. it. Oh, my goodness. So I missed I missed the episode, but I had heard about it weeks before when it happened because Dave Olson, who was the guide out there, yeah. told us that that had happened and that they were going to save that for the end of the show, so... What uh, what exactly did they do? Did they demonstrate how to remove a hook from an ear? Yeah, with the line technique, uh, 
and and the uh, not uh, not our friend uh, the big O, but uh, uh, the other guy came over and he did that technique where you know you put the line around the uh, the hook and all that and hold one end down and give it a pop. It worked perfectly, and she she said she didn't feel a thing when he took it out like that. Well, I think I told you many years ago, it was like Providence, where I was at work. When I was supposed to be working, I was looking at fishing sites, and that, that technique kind of came up on the screen. And I thought to myself, you know, I've seen this in magazines, but I'm going to actually read this and study this for, for, a, for a little bit. And it was the very next day when I was at Smokey's Muskie Shop having a brewski when some guy came in with his kid with a, with a, with a hook in his hand. And I, I, it had to be divine intervention that I had just studied that. And I walked out and I said, well, there is this technique, and it worked perfect. It, it does. Yeah, time. it's amazing. When I was a guide uh, out in Arizona up until just this year, uh, Tom, I, I think I've removed seven or eight hooks, uh, seven or eight hooks out of clients before as well. I've even pulled up to a bow ramp where a guy had a uh, um, you know, hard bait it stuck in his thumb and his finger, and uh, they were all panicked, ready to take the guy to the hospital, and I had to bring my boat up shore and pop it out for him. So it works every single time. It's amazing. So John hooked his daughter. Tom, have you ever been hooked by a client? No, I haven't been hooked by a I've hooked myself, but uh, <laughs> I've had a client hit me right in the small of the back with a spoon with a big daredevil, and it felt like somebody shot me. My goodness, that was terrible. So it didn't, but the, but you didn't get hooked? No, I didn't get hooked, no. So I had a client one time years ago, it was the heat of the summer, they were out casting, uh, they were out casting bucktails out on Pewaukee, and uh, we all, it was really hot, so I had my shirt off out there, I'm sitting at the council, and a guy literally bounced a bucktail off my back, and then it bounced into my uh, the windshield and then flipped into the water and I'm like oh my god I was lucky the guy didn't hook me right in the back yeah I mean so it is it is scary especially I mean these guys weren't even musky fishing you get guys out musky fishing with now even more dangerous used to be guys had a six and a half foot long rod and a 12 foot leader and a you know six inch bait now the guys got nine foot rods you know uh, 18-inch leaders and, and pounder, pounder bulldogs, for God's sake. So you need to have a giant a cabin cruiser and put one guy on one side and one or the other. Otherwise, you're going to get be in danger. you got to wear a bike helmet nowadays. Can we bike A Schwinn bike helmet. <laughs> That'd be a good uh, yeah. idea. I, I got hit one time. I had a, a, a two guys in the boat. We were guiding, and I don't think it was 20 minutes early. He asked me, has anybody ever hooked you before? And I, I just got done telling them the stories. And uh, he's looking where he's going to make his next cast with a crankbait. Didn't flip the bail open on the spinning reel. And he was standing right next to me. And I saw him. I just happened to watch him cock back and cast. And when he did, because he didn't open the bail, the lure came swinging right right towards me. And all I could do is my instinct was to raise my right arm and block my head. Almost like it's a boxer was going to throw a punch. And the, the hook went in my, I had one trouble in my bicep, the other one went in my forearm. Ugh. And that one I could not get out um, with a line trick because these guys didn't know how to do it. So I just had to grab the players and rip it out. As a matter of fact, Bushy witnessed me hook myself. <laughs> and all the years I've been fishing, 40 some years, I have never hooked myself. And well, maybe you can tell this story. Oh yeah, we're, <laughs> we're fishing for smallmouth bass the first time I took, took Ron to Rowley's Bay. 
And he caught a, about a four-pound smallie, and he wanted to get a picture of it. And it had two trebles of a crankbait, Rapala-type, in its mouth, not just one. So he's trying to control this flopping fish, and he goes in to lip it right between the two trebles. And it was one of those deals where you look at something, and you're thinking, that's not a good idea. Ah, ha, ha. He, he got pinned by both hooks. He had two... two <laughs> Two fingers on the same hand stuck. I had to pin the I had to pin the, <laughs> the fish to the bottom of the boat, and he had to. I, I turned my head. I couldn't I couldn't watch. He ripped his ripped it free from his hands. Oh my gosh! One of the hooks under my fingernail. Oh my, yeah, oh, yeah. Terrible. Not a good thing. So we always gotta on the cutting edge outdoors. You know how we always talk safety. We always always stress safety when fishing and sharp hooks and so forth. And you know one thing. This on all seriousness. I think uh, the fish that you are most likely to get hooked by is not a 50-inch muskie. It's a 20-inch slimy, skinny pike that's flopping all over the place and with a big hook in its jaw. Those are the ones that tend to get you hooked. Those are the ones you got to be careful with. Yeah, anything that's flopping around and little panfish too, those, those, anything that's flopping around might get you uh, but I have a solution. Since I don't know that line trick, uh, I, years ago I realized that with my sharp knife, I just, I just cut the hole a little bit bigger to back the hook out. It's a little painful, but you know what? You grit your teeth, you get through it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, the we good news, Tom, is, is the line trick. The line trick isn't a secret anymore. You can actually yeah, go online true. and watch how yeah, it's done. Yeah. So put the pocket knife away. Yeah, right. Right. Spend a little time on there. Hey, uh, Tom, yeah. uh, you said you got another email because we were going to talk about the one with the big uh, the big fish from Arizona. Okay, I'll make this quick, all right? Okay. Okay. Uh, this is from Jim, and he says, just wondering what you guys think. The last two times when I went crappies, I was in about seven feet of water. The temperature when I started was about 59 degrees and the surface, on the surface, and I was catching them. But when the water got to 61, they stopped. I would have thought the opposite. Any ideas what's happening? Thanks, from Jim. Yeah, here's my two cents. Don't ever try to outthink a fish and figure out what the hell they're doing sometimes because you just don't know rhyme or reason why they would do something like that, you know. Uh, you know, catching them, and all of a sudden they just, you know, the basic thing is, Jim, is that they just swam away, the whole bunch of them, for some reason. Maybe a big yeah, I guess. maybe a muskier northern came in the area, and it spooked them out. Who knows? Well, I don't think a two-degree temperature from 59 to 61 made a difference there. No. Now, there are times, and we can talk about that. Uh, maybe Ron can address that as far as bass fishing, especially with those smallmouth bass, where it seems like they're susceptible to uh, temperature changes, uh, as well as if you fish the Bay of Green Bay, Lake Michigan up there. I mean, you can have wild swings of 15 degrees in water temperature from one time, you know, one day to the next, uh, depending on currents, wind direction, and so forth. So there are times, but I don't think that two-degree thing Nah, they probably, yeah, either you got off to school or, uh, they, they, you know, they don't eat all the time. There are definitely feeding right. windows, I think, at times for, for fish that you'll see. Mm-hmm. I just think the bunch of them just swam away, you know, and then you, you got to continue looking for them. That's all. Yeah. So anyway, our friend Randy Reading had forwarded us a picture of this new world record Redeer shell cracker sunfish. And, you know, I was... Uh, 
I was sitting having a great knee high at a local establishment a couple days ago and somebody whipped this picture out and I looked at it right away and the guy said, oh, somewhere in Arizona. And I said, oh yeah. I said, I know where that was caught. That was caught in Havasu. My buddy Ron catches, you know, took Gillespie down there and catches a bunch of big ones. Well, here we are and, and we got the picture again from Randy, which has more details that this uh, sunfish, it was 6.3 pounds. 17 inches long and its girth was 20 inches so it was even uh, fatter than it was long and it was caught by a guy from uh, from Wisconsin but uh, uh, maybe uh, maybe Ron can uh, comment a little bit about all the calls you got when you did that show with Gillespie and all the people that want to go down and do that well it's definitely a special place uh, Lake Havasu City um, actually lies right along the Colorado River so uh, it's right between California and Arizona, and you have a lot of, it's very, very clear water, but you have a lot of nutrients, it's warm year-round, and uh, that fresh water is constantly moving through that river system, and it actually has really become quite the smallmouth fishery, and um, these red-ear shellcrackers have really exploded, and one of the things that's really attributed to them, their growth is obviously the uh, the nutrients in the water, but also, believe it or not, um, they got the word, the name shellcracker for a reason, but they love to eat the zebra mussels. They are invasive. They're all over Lake Havasu now as well. And uh, the big, big uh, red ears like this are what's keeping them in check. So, you know, when people want to go down there, you know, they see these, and especially if you, they're not locals, you know, the, the problem they're having is, you know, these fish like to spawn just like they do in Wisconsin early spring into the summer, early summer months. And people are coming from all over the place and taking coolers of 100 and 200 of them that are two, three pounders, which is kind of unnecessary. But uh, when I uh, was down there years ago, I told uh, Gillespie about this. We were up here filming a show, and I had mentioned uh, about these. Uh, there's giant bluegills in there. There's some hybrids, but these shell crackers. And I showed him a picture, and he's like, we got to do that. So we booked a trip. Uh, this is going to be probably about five years ago, I'm going to guess. Uh, he flew down and uh, we filmed the show and then by 11.30 in the morning we had 67 of them from two and a half pounds up to three pounds seven ounces and I lost one over four trying to boat flip it like a bass on spinning gear, you know. Um, so they're, they're, it's incredible to see a 5'7". Now here's the thing. When I saw this picture, obviously it, it blew me away because I, the 5.7 that was the previous record was it's just a giant and it's, it's mounted in English Pro Shop right at Lake Havasu City. So if there's a six foot three or a six pound three ouncer, can you imagine what's probably still what's still swimming around there? There's got to be a seven. One would lead to believe there's got to be a seven pounder. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that's those are monsters. Wow. How can about you imagine a fight on something like that? It's it's wow. it's like a it's better than a bass fight. I mean, you guys have caught a good yeah. pound and a half, uh, you know, panfish before, and the way they turn sideways and pull. You know, I'm out there using twenty pound Seaguar uh, Smackdown Bray with a usually an eight pound leader and uh, you know, and, and they give you a workout. And even the, the previous world rec or record was caught on a 7 or 10 inch ribbon tail worm by a guy bass fishing. So, <laughs> How about this, Ron? Now, most people who fish panfish, I mean, they're, they're meat hunters. They're eating everything. Are, are people starting to, like, catch and release those down there? Well, it's highly encouraged. Uh, I People always ask me, and I've caught hundreds and hundreds of them. I have still to date to eat one. I just think they're... Uh, you know, if I'm going to eat something, I want to eat a smaller one. I, I heard they taste fantastic, but I definitely don't promote nor endorse uh, doing that. And the problem you have is if people want to keep, you know, four or five of these, look at the size of them. A two or three pounder 
you keep four or five of them, you're going to feed a family of, you know, a five or six, no problem, probably have some leftovers. But what they're doing is they're going down there because we don't have a closed season and they'll move up by the hundreds uh, on a shelf, a sandy point or something. And people will camp on there and they will rip every single one of them off, throw them in the coolers. And I've heard stories of, of people from Utah and neighboring states come over and, you know, they'll have 600 of them in a cooler, a group of guys. There's no need for that. And if people continue to do that, you won't see fish like this. No, I agree. Well, we got to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we got an email from a friend of Dan's from Forrest. So we'll take care of that and much more with Ron Johnson and Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer, right here on the Skipper, I mean, on the, ooh, excuse me, on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Okay, welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. Don't forget the Baitmate. Put it on your mini mites, Tom, and you'll be uh, ready to rock and roll, my friend. Always do. Uh, got an email here from, I think he's a friend of yours, Dan, for it. It's my brother. It's my brother-in-law. Oh, your brother-in-law. He said, uh, hooked Becky in the lip with an ice jig and waxworm while springtime bluegill fishing. She still married me. <laughs> That's my sister. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess, I guess if you really want to see if a chick's going to stick with you, take her on the boat. <laughs> Second, third date, might as well just see Hooker. <laughs> And if she sticks with you, you're good. Put her number two <laughs> if, in her and if, see what if, happens. Yeah. <laughs> if, if not, well, now you found out what you were going to find out down the road anyway. Yeah, right. right. When things get bad, they're going to leave you. Yeah, yep, yeah, there you go. Hey, uh, Tom, another uh, kind of funny name that they have for these, those giant red ear, is it red ear? Red ear. Red ear. Red ear. Red ear. Shell cracker sunfishes. I'm looking at this email from Randy and I'm kind of freaking out because it says uh, another name, nickname for them throughout the southeast. I, I'm going to spell it. And for all of our listeners who are good with their phonics, they, they can they can they'll figure it out themselves. It's also called the T-I-T-T-Y. <laughs> Uh, that would be the short vowel sound for the I, T-I-T-T-Y, brim. Now, at first I thought because they're so huge, that might have been like the Dolly Parton effect, and that's therefore the name. But it's because they're so big, it says, they're so girthy that fishermen can't get their hand around them to remove the hook. So pinning them flatly against your chest cleaning them against your chest so you got that's where it got the name with one hand and removing the hook with the other is the go-to technique i guess i've never caught one big enough that i had to had to uh pin it against my chest well i don't think so i got a question for ron I never heard that. ron are there green-eared sunfish in arizona i don't know about the green-eared no i i mean uh no, I, I don't know. I know there's the, in uh, Havasu, in the, the lakes in Arizona, I see the pure bluegills. You'll have some hybrids, and then you have these shellcracker sunfish. But, um, you know, we have pumpkin seed and a few things like that, but I haven't seen the, the, the uh, green sunfish. Because I, I saw a thing one time where the state record green-eared sunfish in Arizona was like four pounds, six ounces, something like that. Oh, then maybe my, they do. My, my granddaughter... She caught one, it's a number of years, when she was like two or three years old, 
she caught one a green, and you can tell because it's the, you know like the bluegill on ours, you know, is blue uh, by the gill, and this was green, and uh, she caught one that was like twelve and a half inches, and uh, that was her first fish. Lucky kid. Yeah, I, it's crazy. No, I, I've never targeted them, and all the years I've lived out there, I don't believe I've caught one. Now, I, I guess I'd have to go back and look at the regs and and uh, and take a look at where, where they have them. Um, okay. I don't know I'm if they're in curious. cattle tanks or ponds or what. I have no idea. Yeah, she caught it out of a pond. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Well, do those do those giant ones uh, um, interbreed with, like, the... Uh, they will, yeah. They will? Yeah, they with will. With the regular bluegill and stuff? Yep, yep. You'll find some that are hybrid. You'll see some that have... Uh, the typical ear of a bluegill without the red on them at all, and um, kind of a similar pattern. But yeah, they will they will breed together. But it's it is for the most part though they will set they'll stay uh, to their own kind. Now are those considered a separate species with separate records for them then? Yes. Or yeah. They are. Yep. Oh really? Yep. Yeah. They will not put the bluegill record and a red ear in the same classification for the state records. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, a special place. Hey Tom, talking about uh, giant fish. Uh, there was another giant fish caught recently on the Detroit River. Did you hear about it? No, I didn't. Uh, giant sturgeon. Um, it was caught by the U.S. Wildlife Authorities in the Detroit River. And uh, let's see here. It's 200. Oh, now I tried. I'm got All kinds of pop-ups came up. Uh, 240 pounds, 6 feet, 10 inches. Holy. They estimate that it was at least a hundred years old, and apparently, I guess it, yeah, it's the uh, uh, biggest one that's been uh, recorded in the in for that species, I think, in the U.S. I, I'm kind of curious. I know in in Lake Winnebago, they've they have caught some, you know, several over 200 pounds. I want to say that they might be. Uh, uh, is is as uh, as big as 220, 230. I think I've heard out of out of uh, Lake Winnebago. I think the DNR actually got them in one of their spring spring type surveys up uh, up river one time, and that one was eventually speared. But that's that's just the, an enormous. You can go online and see it, and there's a picture of a biologist laying next to the thing, and it's it's just unbelievable. Wow. Was it caught or found? There's two two reports. Well, there. they at first it made it sound like it was caught when you read these goofy reports, <clears throat> but it um, it, it was uh, it was basically got in April, and I'm sure they must have uh, just netted it. I'm pretty sure, um, probably in one of their fish surveys or something like that. But yeah, just an enormous fish. Can you imagine hooking into something like that with the, with the with the rod with the rod and reel? And, uh, and it'd be, I talked to a guy years ago and he, uh, he used to fish Lake Michigan as a captain. And then later he, uh, he, he just kind of retired from that used to fish from shore. He told me a story that he was fishing from shore years ago for salmon. And he had a big, big outfit, you know, with a couple hundred yards of 20 pound line and he hooked into something and it just slowly swam away from shore and it just kept going and going and going, and he's got his drag, he tightened up, it spooled him and broke the line. He said it was like he'd hooked a submarine, and he said at the time, he said it must have been a sturgeon. So it's, it's a, there are some giant sturgeon in Lake Michigan. Uh, in fact, last year, I think it was, I was up uh, smallmouth fishing up in Door County, and I was in a bar up there, the Mink River Basin, and some guy pulled out a picture on his cell phone of his buddy who actually um, was out... Uh, 
commercial fishermen in the area and they caught one that looked like it was about i guess 150 pounds or something the guy had a picture of it and he did the same thing he laid down next to it on a pier and had someone take a picture and they let it go so there's some true monsters out there go ahead ron <laughs> I, I don't know much about sturgeon so i can't really put a lot of input there but yeah it's a pretty awesome picture and uh, impressive to say the least yeah, I, that happened to me one time on the wisconsin river fishing for walleyes and uh you know, something grabbed, you know, hit my bait, set the hook, and it just started going. And, you know, with six or eight pound test line, whatever it was, and I knew right away it had to be a sturgeon because this area was known for it. And uh, so I immediately cut my line because I, I, at the time I don't think I carried extra line with me so it's, or, and extra spools. So I just cut my line right away just to save the line that I did have. And yeah, well, that can happen, yeah. I, I did uh, I did I did accidentally snag one years ago with my buddy Komar on Lake Winnebago trolling for walleyes and we fought this thing for I don't know hour and a half before we finally could and once we got it up to the top of the water we broke the line off but I I, I, I kind of just wanted to see what I had and it was snagged in the in the side and that thing was enormous I mean I've never seen anything and I'll tell you what I learned what a truly big fish looks like on your so on your graph because on my graph, my Lawrence, it filled up the whole graph. It had this big giant, you know, big down 20 feet when I finally brought it on up under the boat. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So it's amazing that we do have those fish present in the system here. Hey, I saw another another interesting thing, Tom, moving right from one topic to the next. Uh, Bald Eagle I saw a uh, article where some guy, I believe up in Canada, is working, he's trained this bald eagle to intercept drones. In other words, if there's a drone in the air, this son of a gun goes and gets them. And it said that he can dive at over 140 miles an hour coming down on them. And so it sounds like this could be some new super secret, top secret defense for the United States We'll have our defense eagles taking the drones out of the air. Well, that is interesting. I just hope the things don't get hurt on those, you know, blades, you know, the spinning spinning blades. You know, that, that uh, you know, those eagles are tough, Tom. You know, tough. they yeah, uh they're tough. We're gonna start of, our, our, our defense team of, of eagles protecting yeah. the United States. Yeah, speaking of tough, we got a, a tough uh, commercial coming up right now. And then right after it, we got the gut report. So stay tuned for more, folks, right here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The gut report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, this morning, folks, we're going to talk salmon. And this is an easy recipe, and it's very, very good. Now, if you like a sweet salmon, this is right up your alley. First of all, I, I like the skin taken off the salmon, so I would recommend skinning the salmon. Cut it into your you know sections that you're going to use, six, eight-ounce sections, whatever. Coat the salmon with olive oil first, and then sprinkle some you know salt and pepper and garlic powder on it. And then take uh, brown sugar and coat it, you know, the top with brown sugar. Put it in the oven at about 350 degrees for about, yeah, 10, 12 minutes. It depends. You know, all ovens are a little bit different. Cook it until done. 
and you'll find that the brown sugar sugar will like melt and caramelize on top of the salmon. It's pretty good. You might want to try it. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you're going to find the best selection, price, and service at 51st in Oklahoma in Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow in Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to discountliquorinc.com. Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractant. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Neubauer, special guest Ron Johnson. Thanks for getting on board the crazy train this morning. We always make it a point to uh, thank our listeners, as well as law enforcement out there uh, taking care of us. We back the badge, first responders, military, healthcare workers. We appreciate all that you do. And Tom, uh, I talked to a friend yesterday. He just got back from uh, the Bay of Green Bay, and he got some smallmouth fishing up on Rowley's Bay. And he had a couple of nice ones, some five-pounders. So it looks like the uh, the fishing up there is going to be going pretty good. Uh, I think uh, I think our buddy Ron here, aren't you going to do a tournament up there, the spring tournament coming up? Yeah, the Sturgeon Bay Open is this next week, so I just came all the way up from uh, Florida, and I'm going to be here fishing this tournament, and uh, I'm really looking forward to being back up here in Sturgeon Bay, but I should see some big fish coming out. I actually have never fished the spring one. I've done the fall one now twice. Don't they have two spring ones now? It seems like I've heard of a couple. Uh, well, one's a, the Sturgeon Bay Open, you know, and then there is another uh, another one. Another one. I, I can't recall what the headline uh, sponsor I, that I is. I think the Sturgeon Bay Open is the original one, though. I think that's the original yeah. one, which has gets 100 anglers, yes, a whole that's, bunch. That's it. We have over 100 on the roster, 100 and some odd anglers. Now, who's your co-angler? Uh, his name is Paul Coburn. He's out of Pewaukee. He's a great guy and a friend and uh, a heck of a fisherman. He's going to be joining me as a co-angler. And he was my uh, travel partner uh, as a, on the co-angler side when I did the Bassmasters. But now that I'm in the National Professional Fishing League, we don't have uh, any co-anglers whatsoever. So Paul's kind of hanging out in Pewaukee doing some fishing. Now let me ask you this, Ron, because I, I had read somewhere, and this might not be correct, that they were going to a format where you were going to not actually take the bass in and get them weighed. They were going to do something, an on-boat type thing, uh, in measure, digital, picture, camera. What, what's the scoop? That, that's the Major League Fishing format, which, of course, is really popular. Um, are you talking about the Sturgeon Bay Open? Yeah. Oh, they go- uh, they haven't, I haven't read anything about that yet. No. Okay, because I thought I had. Well, how, how do they do that in the... In the five, like, your five fish limit, standard, bring your five biggest to the scales each day. Okay, so but in the major league fishing, you said they do that format where you don't bring them in. Correct. You, it's an instant way. I mean, it's all about protecting those fish so, and release them, so they weigh them, release them. So my question was, does everybody have the same type of certified scale that they're weighing their fish on? Yeah, every boat in major league fishing has a has a um, marshal, and the marshal is in the boat. That's it. The marshal and the cameraman and the angler, and then every fish is recorded. 
uh, you know, on the same scale, but they all use the same scales, and uh, you can actually buy those scales now. They actually sell those scales. Really? Yeah. It's a really good, accurate it's one, then? It's a very accurate one. I Actually, I just looked it up. Um, I don't need another scale because I have a really good digital one, but I was just looking at those, and I, I saw them at TackleWarehouse.com sells that official Major League Fishing scale. What kind of, what do you know what the brand of it is? It's, or? A, it's a brand I've never heard of before, which was, uh, you know, they must be specially made, or they must have uh, found a company to make those scales for them when they... I'm, I'm guessing the angler has nothing to do with weighing the fish then. That's in charge of the marshals, the one who is in charge of handling the weight and weighing Correct. the fish. Fish comes in the boat, can't touch the carpet. They, they can't pin it against their body. I mean, they've got to grab the fish. They, the only thing is they take it off the hook and uh, they put it on the, on there, the scale. There's no T-I-T-T-Y bass yeah, that no you know pinning it against no your chest. There's no T-I-T-T-Y brim bass. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, no, it's, uh, it's, it's a good format. Now, there's, there's uh, you know... There's different takes on how people are receiving that from from a fan's perspective. I mean, from the conservation perspective, there's nothing nothing any better. It just kind of. But but the the weigh-in is the exciting part where you see people. Correct. You know, everybody's waiting. You come back in. Like Tom, years were all. I'm sure the tournaments in your tournament years, you always had to bring the bass back in for a weigh-in. Correct. Of course. Yes. And wouldn't you say that for spectators, that that's kind of like the highlight of the whole thing to see what the next guy's going to pull out of his bag? Yep, you betcha. Yep. So, like, did you always try and be the like the last guy so you could just let everybody think they all had a bunch of big bass, and then Tom Newbauer steps to the stage and 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 and, <laughs> and, and lays them all to waste? Uh, no, it just depends on whenever you come in. You know, I mean, it you know, it just depends. Gotcha. Okay, so now, Ron, you're going to be up pre-fishing Bay of Green Bay, and without telling us what your hopefully tournament-winning tactics are going to be next weekend, um, what, how, how are you going to attack these bass this time of year? I mean, is everybody just going to be throwing hair jigs real slow, or, or what's the, what do you got to, and, and what do you look for structure-wise? Well, right now, I mean, you guys have had a pretty cold spring. I mean, you know, I, I just moved back here, right? So I, I have never fished the spring one before, but just, uh, I told you, I just drove down from the UP yesterday, and I was in a blizzard for an hour until uh, I got in into Wisconsin. So the water temperatures are going to be really cold. I don't think it's going to be one of those things where you're going to uh, have a sight fishing tournament, you know, where you're going to have everybody, you know, ripping them off beds. I think it'll be a little bit tougher for guys who are going to try to take that approach. But uh, it's all going to depend upon, you know, if you guys have these south winds or these north winds and how they move the currents and the cold water around. But you are going to see these fish wanting to pull up. And uh, I think most of your, your big fish are going to be caught underneath that, you know, eight, eight feet of water or less, all the way up to two feet. So uh, my plan is to cover some water. And, yeah, I think you're you're spot on with, the, you know, the hair jigs are always a player, little paddle tail swim baits, jerk baits, crank baits, and, you know, some other little secret tricks guys have up their sleeve. But I don't think anybody's going to reveal exactly where they're going to be and how they're going to target them. So for our listeners, if you are going up to the uh, Fish the Door County area, one, one plug I will put in. And, and we've had them call our show years back. They've got uh, Howie's Bait Shop. Uh, it's right on the highway on the right-hand side as you head into uh, Sturgeon Bay before you cross the bridge. Great little bait shop. And when I was there earlier this year, Tom, I, uh, out of curiosity, I, I wanted to find some hair jigs. And they, I didn't see any. And, the, and then I asked the guy, and he said, oh, yeah, they're in the back room. You go in. I went in their back room, Tom, and they had just a whole wall of the most beautiful custom hair jigs 
I've ever seen. I mean, they've got the marabou jigs. They've got other ones that aren't marabou. They got black. Purple, I guess, has been the hot color from what I had heard. So I had told uh, my buddy Ted about that. He went up to Rowley's Bay, and he did go back there. And it sounds like he got the last four of their hair jigs. And purple was was the hot one that uh, his his co-angler or the guy fishing with him was using it that the purple hair jig did work but they've from what it sounded like they've already sold out of all of those so wow. i guess that top secret hair jig yeah and and you know what i think i told you tom they were when i bought the hair, marabou ones they were ten dollars a piece <laughs> i spent 20 Crazy. bucks for a couple of hair jigs but they look like they're worth it hey uh ron last week uh, our our advertising manager and friend dave olson was on and the funny thing was was uh he, uh, Dan asked him, uh, what's the preferred color of a hair jig? And Dave Olson said, well, he says, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, Dale Strohshine showed me about the hair jigs, and he says he's got 200 of them in his box. He said, and they're all purple. So what do you think? <laughs> so we found that out, what, what the favorite color is up there. And, uh, oh, here, uh, here there, we got another email if you want it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, well, I don't know. All he, all he sent was a picture. So I'll have to forward it to you. No, don't bother. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, a guy on the Milwaukee <laughs> If you can't River tell me what the picture is, I don't want to see it. <laughs> hey, a guy named Tim on the Milwaukee River with a real nice smallmouth bass. So. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit, Tom. Okay, the Milwaukee River and smallmouth bass... Uh, there's a lot of smallmouth bass in Milwaukee River. There's guys oh, yeah. that are going out there getting lots of them, and now they're starting. I've hearing I'm hearing about some 18 inchers and so forth. So, I mean, did you ever spend any time out wading the Milwaukee River? Lots, yeah. My son, a couple of my older sons and I, we at first we went out with waders, and then we re, the first time, and we realized you don't need waders, just a pair of shorts and tennis shoes. And, uh, yeah, we caught a lot of, but we never caught anything decent size. If you go further north on the Milwaukee River towards Grafton, then, then you start getting into some larger smallies. But in the Milwaukee area, uh, in Ozaki, you, you know, there, if you caught a 12 incher, that was a good one, you know, so, you know, there was a lot of smaller ones, but it was fun, you know, on, on, on ultralight tackle and that. Oh yeah, it was fun. And, and as far as catching them, um, I think those smallmouths in rivers are pretty aggressive and pretty easy to catch normally. In fact, uh, just what would you say, Tom, just a little uh, little meps or a rooster tail or something and cast that out into the, into the rocks and you well, should that, be into a bunch of smallies. Yeah, that worked. Also little crankbaits, you know, the little mini crankbaits uh, worked. Uh, little plastic worms worked. Uh, you know, just... Uh, same basic stuff you look use for the bigger ones, only just scaled down. That's all. You know, a little known spot to catch if you want to catch it. You know, a hundred smallies. Uh, many years ago, uh, my cousin who lived up in Duluth at the time, of course, he'd target those giant pike in the St. Louis River with me going back to the late '60s, early '70s. But he would go to the upper reaches. Uh, of the, uh, I believe there's a Fond du Lac or Fond du Lac, they call it up there on the Minnesota side of the St. Louis River. And if you go way up, 
into the upper reaches there before it gets down near that, uh, you know, the, uh, the harbor there by Duluth and where it goes into Lake Superior, uh, he would go up there wading and, and he would catch, you know, geez, 100 smallies a day. And, and nobody was up there. No one was up there. And now they were all those small ones, right? They were all, like you said, about a foot long. But he took me up there one time and, uh, you know, it was a blast. And we were having a great time catching a bunch of untapped smallmouth that nobody's bothering those fish. Um, we, there wasn't a fisherman and it's, it's too, nobody takes boats into that. You know, a lot, lot of rip, you know, a lot of current, a lot of rocks and stuff like that. So it was, uh, like I said, it's kind of a waiting type of thing. But that definitely seems like uh, something that people can take advantage of. And, uh, and, and when you think about smallmouth, I, normally I don't think about rivers, but that is a great resource. Yeah, it is. And the other great resource we have is the Hornschwaggle, which is coming up right after this commercial break. And the Hornschwaggle is brought to you by Carl's Country Market in Menominee Falls on the corner of uh, Pilgrim Road and Silver Spring. So you want to check out Carl's Country Market and also brought to you by Baitmate Fish Attractants and Coleman Insect Repellents. So if you want to win a really nice prize package from Carl's and, and uh, Baitmate, all you got to do is call right now and be a contestant. Oh, by the way, I have to remind you, if you've won in the last two months, don't bother calling because Sam the man is uh, making, you know, check. He's got a list and he's checking it twice like Santa Claus. So, uh, so just give a call now if you want to be the contestant at 414-799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. And we'll be right back with more. Welcome back to Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. And uh, right now, uh, hopefully, we have a uh, lucky contestant who might win either some Baitmate or some Coleman uh, insect repellent, uh, a gift package from them, as well as a $10 certificate for some delicious, nutritious Carl's Country Market stuff. And, uh, Tom, I mean, Sam, a little bit ago, uh, Tom called you santa claus you're keeping a list so I, i'm just going to call you Santa claus so have we got a lucky contestant there today our lucky contestant is jeremy and colgate jeremy and colgate well there's kind of a new name there how you doing jeremy i'm good you good good sir hey you been doing any fishing this spring uh we got out early for some walleyes and uh haven't been out in the last uh few weeks well, I guess the weather's been pretty crappy, so I'm kind of with yeah. you on that, Jeremy. I'm kind of waiting for things to get warm. I've gotten to, with, with age, I've gotten wise. To kick in. <laughs> What's that? I said I'm waiting for the global warming to kick in. Yeah, yeah, right. Tom's waiting for 80 degrees, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, here we go. You know how this works. Uh, if, uh, if I'm pulling your leg and, uh, and uh, not telling the truth, it's a hornswoggle. If I'm speaking the truth, it's no hornswoggle. So here we go. Now, the first one, if you've been listening to the show for the whole time, will be an easy one. Uh, Lake Havasu uh, panfish, red ear sunfish, whatever you want to call them. They're huge. They're fat. And they can have a girth that's actually bigger than their length. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? 
No Hornschwagel. No Hornschwagel, yeah, because that one 6.3 pounder was, uh, what, the 20 inch girth and uh, 17 inches long? Yeah, okay. Um, next one, pike and muskie. Now, pike and muskie will eat bluegills or panfish, which are kind of a broad, kind of a built fish. But truth be told, they're not the preferred uh, prey of muskies and pike. Muskies and pike actually prefer elongated prey, which are easier to grab and swallow, like a, like a walleye or a perch, something like that. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? No hornswoggle. No hornswoggle, yep, that's right. They like those elongated preys. That prey, that's there. why you use a big, big sucker there, Ron, when you're out fishing, it's elongated. Um, and uh, you were two for two. Let's just see if you were going to be three for three. When cooking fish, even though fish are delicious, they cook relatively fast, you still got to make sure you cook them thoroughly to avoid getting a tapeworm. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? Hornswoggle. Uh, no? no hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. Right. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I and Tom Neubauer, we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. Okay. Very good, Jeremy. Thanks for listening, and we'll put you on hold, and uh, Sam, our illustrious producer there, will get your address, and I will send the uh, information to our good friends at Baitmate. Now, it might be a while before they get that to you, um, but I will get that Carl's Country Market uh, certificate to you in the mail right away in the next day or two, so expect two things, and uh, once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, competing. All right. Thank you. Very good. I've got to let people know that the prize contest contests on the Cutting Edge Outdoors are the sole responsibility of the Cutting Edge Outdoors radio show and its sponsors. Any questions or comments should be directed to CEOGuys at yahoo.com. Yeah, just call Tom. Yeah, <laughs> little disclaimer there. Yeah. If you don't get anything, it's all Tom's fault. I got a quick uh, okay. question for you in your horn swallow. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, shoot. That last question about the tapeworm cooking thoroughly, what what does that do to us guys who like to eat sushi? Is well, that, is that I, different? I think, you know, I'm, I was I am a little concerned about it, uh, guys, because I, I wonder if it's, I think it's just certain fish. I know northern pike. So like we were talking, like pickling northern pike, like I, my buddy Joe, he was just taking them and flaying them up and throwing them in the pickle thing. And you have to either simmer them for like 10 minutes or a semi-boil or freeze them for a certain number of days to kill any potential tapeworm but i don't know if that's you know i'm guessing it's fresh water possible i'm guessing it's certain fish well i'm hoping it's fresh water because i was with our friend troy woodrow up in his campground up there in vilas county near dennis by boulder junction and uh, he said he had a bunch of lobsters so troy had you know we were sitting around the kitchen table and you know one beer might have led to another and and then troy says i said well how about the food so troy goes out there to throw the lobster and he starts the grill like you're starting a bonfire and and then (laughs) once the bonfire is going he goes out there and he throws these lobsters on on the grill and just leaves them till he goes out there and they look like they're all burnt (laughs) oh it's done now he brought them in but half of them weren't done and so i'm eating and uh, I got to the raw part on the lobster tail, so I'm like, hey, uh, all right, let's throw these back on the grill. So ever since I've been thinking, gee, I hope, I hope those old lobster tails don't have tapeworms. Well, when it comes to, uh, you know, sushi and parasites and that, m- the main parasites are in freshwater lakes, but there are parasites in ocean fish, too. 
but generally the sushi grade meat, uh, or should I say sushi grade fish, um, it, it do not have parasites in them, and it's perfectly safe to eat raw. Although I prefer my fish cooked. What Tom, being as you are the knower, the bastion of knowledge and knower of all things, what kind of fish do? <laughs> what Ron likes that one. What what kind of fish do they use for the sushi? Mostly they use tuna, but a lot of different fish can be used. And one of the of of of, of a real delicacy is the blowfish or the yeah the blowfish or pufferfish. And the pufferfish, though, if it's not filleted properly you can die because it's a poisonous fish. So if it's not done properly, yeah, you could be the last piece of fish you'll ever eat. But nope. generally, tuna is uh, the, one of the main fish they use. What do you mean die? They mean the guy filleting it gets poked and dies? or the, No, the, no, the eat? person eating it. You mean you, you have the wrong cut of it, meat yeah, from yeah, the fish? Right. Yeah, there's certain parts of it that uh, cannot be punctured. Otherwise, it'll uh, taint the fish with a poison. Well, I got news for you. I ain't going to eat one of those. I don't care how good that fish is. <laughs> I'm never going to have that ever, because if there's yeah. even a chance of, oh, it's really good, but don't get poisoned to death, yeah. uh, I think I'll go have a walleye, thank you. Yeah, me too. And right now, we we got another email coming up, but we're going to wait till after the top of the hour break. Now, folks, stay tuned. we got more with Ron Johnson here as a special guest in the studio. Dan Bush, myself, Tom Neubauer, and Sam Schmitz is on the boards. So we got a lot more coming up here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors, so don't go away. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi... And every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. got the second hour of power i know i'm borrowing that with uh dan bush and myself tom newbauer and ron johnson's on the line with us too he's sitting right there next to danny and uh we're talking all stuff fishing and of course we we might get into a little turkey talk too but anyway uh if you want to give us a buzz just call us at 799-1250 that's 414-799-1250 or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And speaking of emails, we got one right here, guys. Uh, Tim, this is from the same guy who sent the picture. He said, good morning, guys. I was the guy who sent the picture of the smallmouth from the Milwaukee River that I caught a few days ago. I was on the expressway, so I could not type a message. However, I was wondering if the Milwaukee River north of West Bend has any walleyes in it. And to tell you the truth, Tim, it probably does. I wouldn't doubt it. I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, Tom, I I haven't heard walleyes, although, I mean, it, it seems like there's almost, it, rivers have almost every species of fish. Uh, at, years ago, Tom, didn't they try, actually, didn't a walleyes for tomorrow, didn't they actually try to plant some walleyes into the Milwaukee Harbor here? 
Yes. Uh, it wasn't just in the harbor route. I think they planted them at uh, where the Milwaukee River feeds into uh, part of the harbor area, you know, and because uh, they were hoping that they would come back to spawn there. Uh, I mean, so there's always been some walleyes, it seems like, down there in the Milwaukee uh, Walleyes for tomorrow just uh, accentuated it with more, you know, stocking-wise. So I wouldn't doubt it if they were, swam all the way up the river past West Bend. I wouldn't doubt it. But, you know, that fishery, it's never really taken off because no. if it was really any decent, when all of us are out there trolling for the uh, trolling for the uh, brown trout, um, you'd be snagging into some big walleyes here and there. And that really really doesn't happen. So I don't know if the oh. habitat, you know, it's not like the Bay of Green Bay. In fact, it's interesting. The uh, the Bay of Green Bay, um, you know, it's always had walleyes. Now, of course, it's it's huge now. It's 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 big time. But, you know, I was born uh, in, in uh, 1958 in Marinette, and we lived just a couple blocks away from the Hattie Street Dam. My dad used to go down to the Hattie Street Dam and fish for walleyes with a friend of his and uh, they'd get some fish there but it wasn't near you know what it is today uh and they would also the big thing that was good back then was uh, the perch fishing in the bay that's that's when he had a friend a friend of his uh from the church he'd come over with a whole five gallon bucket full of these jumbo perch that he'd catch out fishing out in the bay right around marinette peshtigo cano area i guess uh so the perch was big there always were walleyes but nothing like today. And I'm wondering, Tom, I, I, is the walleye fishing so good now because they worked on improving the water quality in the Fox River and so forth in that lower bay? Uh, or did they actually start stocking some walleyes to try and get them going in the bay? It seems to me they started stocking them years ago. Yeah, as a matter of fact, in the late 70s in the Fox River, they started stocking walleyes. And by the early 80s, it was just, gangbusters. I mean, I'm not joking when I say you could catch a walleye on every cast. Um, it was just, I, I had clients that would get tired of catching them after about two hours. They they got tired of catching them because it, was, it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't a lot of fun because there was no challenge, you know. Uh, it's just like you put your lure in the water and boom, there's one, you know, every time. So, But it has grown over the years and of course those fish have multiplied over the years, so I think that's one of the reasons why the Bay of Green Bay is such an awesome walleye fishery. I, I, I want to say that they stocked around the Sturgeon Bay area as well. Oh, they probably um, did. I wouldn't doubt it. And, 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 you know, interesting, now, northern, the northern Green Bay, up by Badenoch, there's little and big Badenoch. I Historically, I think that for many, many years, uh, I think even prior to the walleye boom in the southern bay, I think that's pretty much always been a, uh, a well-known walleye spot, hasn't it been? For as long as I've been alive, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, that, that area, I think, was always a go-to destination. You know, it's interesting how you see things change. Our, our friend Steve Milliot, who was the greatest walleye fisherman I ever, 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 ever knew, uh, and he, he showed me how to get those big walleyes, um, he would go up there, and he was talking about how he went up there to Badenoch, and... The, it was in the years that the bite was tailing off. It sounds like it used to be a daytime bite up there. But then that kind of petered out, and then it became a nighttime bite up there, 
where everybody was up there trolling. I guess there's First Reef, uh, Center Reef. I only went one day up there one time in November. And they were trolling for in those reefs at night in the fall. And then when that kind of hit the wall, Steve decided to start searching for suspended walleyes. And he went out doing the lead core thing and the deeper water. And he had it down to which baits to use, which way to go into the wind and current. And, you know, I was out there with my friend Troy. And we caught, you know, by midnight, we had 20 walleyes, you know, biggest, maybe 30 inches, bunch of 27 inches, 28. And then uh, I think it was either that year or the next year, he took Gillespie out. And I remember the show, Gillespie looked and told him, this is the greatest walleye trip I've ever had. But it became a night bite. Uh, so it's interesting how things change. Now, I'm wondering if it became a night bite because of fishing pressure or was it because of water clarity getting better? I don't know. That's a good question. Don't know either. Yep. And uh, and now now like the bite on the Bay of Green Bay this this spring, um, it wasn't that. I mean, it was okay. Our friend Dave Olson had you know some decent trips out there, but it wasn't gangbusters uh, like some years. It, it's most reports that I got were it was feast or famine. The guys that got there on the right days got some fish. Guys that got there were either too early, too late, whatever. But it didn't seem like that day bite was going as big as it, it as it has in the past and i'm wondering if maybe that bite by Ocano up there that northern part of the bay if that's going to become like bay to knock and that's going to evolve into a nighttime bite because uh, the water clarity of the bay seems to be getting clearer and clearer every year with uh, both con pollution controls you know they've they've worked a lot on that fox river and with the zebra muzzles cleaning it up so it's going to be interesting to see in upcoming years how that fishery evolves yeah, you got a point there, yeah. But it, it it is funny how years ago it seemed like the walleye was a day bite, now it's just turned around, that it's a night bite. But in the river, it's still a day bite, you know. I mean, you can catch them at night too, but you catch a lot of walleyes during the day. Well, that, that Fox River, that itself is still murky. That's yeah. not crystal clear. Right. So I can I can see that that, you know... Possibly, yeah, that, that, that'll always be good. Day and night, I think that Fox River bite will always be good. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, be interesting, though. Anyway, uh, Ron here has a contest he'd like to talk about, so I figured we'd give him, let, let oh, him introduce right. it here before he falls asleep. Oh, oh like Go ahead, Ron. Well, hey, uh, Tim and Dan, i obviously been uh, listening to your show for years, and you guys like to run some contests and it, it like to give things away to your listeners. It sounds like your listeners like that as well. So um, I wanted to announce and, uh, two really awesome contests, which are free uh, for all your listeners to get involved with. And you might want to have a pen here, but I'm going to give you uh, both of these. So um, now, all the way through September, every single month, um, I have partnered with Wide Effect, and you guys have heard their commercials here on Cutting Edge Outdoors, a uh, great construction, energy, and uh, maritime staffing company. And we are giving away a $50 to $100 gift card every single month to Bass Pro Shops. And uh, all you have to do is follow me and Wide Effect. And we're just going to do a random draw to a follower every single month. And uh, there's, there's two different ways you can follow. You can follow us on Instagram or on Facebook. And on Instagram, I'm at, uh, I'm at RJ Fishing Pro. 
and then Wide Effect USA. So follow those two. Otherwise, you can go follow us on Facebook. I'm just Ron Johnson. They're Wide Effect. And uh, every month now through September, we're going to give a, uh, a follower. We have to follow to win, and we'll just do a random draw every single month up to a $100 gift card to Bass Pro. That's the first one. Here's the big one. Here's it. Tell here's, us the big one. Here's the big one. Okay, sit down, Tom. Okay, you ready? <laughs> sit down, guys. Don't don't spill your cottage cheese and peaches now. Right. Now, I, I do fish on the National Professional Fishing League in a lot of tournaments, but I travel around the country, and I'm going to be here in Wisconsin in the Midwest over the next two weeks, and then you're going to see me, well, hopefully you'll spot me somewhere. Uh, it could be anywhere in the country, but I'll be back and forth through the Midwest quite a bit, Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois, you name it. Um, all you have to do is spot me in the wide effect rig. So for those of you who don't know what my rig looks like, I have a wrap truck and boat. You can see it at rjfishing.com uh, or on RJ, or, or, what am I, RJ Fishing Pro on Instagram. Uh, if you spot my rig, all you have to do is take a picture. I don't care if I'm on the highway, at a lake, at a bait shop, uh, at the gym. You spot my rig, take a picture, uh, just tag myself, and we are giving up to $500 worth of tackle. And uh, this comes from sponsors. We have uh, Rods and Reels. We have uh, Acme Kalins. we got Ducket Fishing. We've got uh, Baitmate Fish Attractants. We've got uh, Eagle Claw. We're, we're giving away Blackfish gear. You name it. I mean, it's just an amazing tackle pack with all kinds of things. And... $200 in cash from Wide Effect. And this is going to go every single month now all the way until September. Again, spot me, take a picture, uh, just tag us in it, and uh, you could be the lucky winner. And you can win more than once because it's a random draw. I have nothing to do with the draw. So two contests. Every month you can win a Bass Pro Shops gift card or up to the $500 tackle pack plus $200 in cash just simply for following. So uh, you, it's a you pretty cool your, deal. Uh, your rig out by Bushies now? Well, I do. No, don't, you can't. I, I'm nobody, you can't come out by Pewaukee <laughs> right now because that would be cheating. I will give somebody right a hint, though. A picture. <laughs> I will. I will be running from uh, the Waukesha, Milwaukee area up into the Green Bay, Sturgeon Bay uh, over the next week. So there's a little hint, but I'll be all over. And I have. I can't tell you. I've had people literally. Last month we had some uh, winter down in uh, one in Texas, one in Alabama, and. Uh, um, you know, they, someone spotted my rig on the highway, another person on the lake, and we had some uploads of people spotting me at a, at a tackle place, or I, I, believe it or not, one was at a so, gym. So my question is, what if someone takes a picture of you and your rig with someone other than your wife? <laughs> well, then we. If you problems. see him with a woman, don't take a picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. She better not be in my rig. It's probably not my wife, and then right. I'd be in trouble. Don't worry, it's still, it'll just be a hippie with long hair. It's not a chick. Yes. Um, and make sure if you're taking a picture, we at the uh, Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors always stress driver safety. So have your someone else in the vehicle take the photo while you keep two hands on the wheel. Now that includes the listener that just sent us the picture of the smallmouth that he was driving from the Milwaukee River. <laughs> right. Didn't he say he took the picture and couldn't send us any message because he was driving? Yes. All right. Now we want we care about safety, so I hope that guy's all right. Sounds like he is because he sent a second email. He's saying he's good. <laughs> right, That's good. good. Yeah. We we want we need all the we need all our listeners to stay alive because we need to keep everyone we got. Right. So one more time, RJ Fishing Pro and Wide Effect USA. Give us a follow, and you, you have to follow to win. That's the only thing. So um, make sure you write that down, guys. Appreciate it. All right, and with that, we got another break to take. And if people want to get involved in the show, got any questions for Ron or Dan or myself or, or comments, 414-799-1250 is the number, or you can always email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back right here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. 
to the Bait Made Fish Attracting Studios. This is the one and only Wacky Walleyes, cutting edge outdoors. And once again, uh, welcome to our new listeners who've just tuned in. Welcome to those who've been with us for the beginning of the crazy train ride. And uh, t- uh, Ron, I was going to ask you, you were, you said uh, yeah, they have to be a follower. Uh, you know, I've, I've never been a follower in life. What, how do you become a follower on a website? You just got to go click and like my page and follow. You just hit a follow button and what happens is then you're up to date. You can follow me in my travels as I'm competing in the National Professional Fishing League, my catches, you know, I'll be up in Sturgeon Bay. I do videos. There's other contests we do throughout the year. So just follow. I like so to make things interactive. Click, click on the follow button. Click on the follow button on Instagram and also on Facebook. So like one, once, one or the other. once you click on follow... Then, like, if you want to follow again the next week, do you have to click on follow again? No, no. Boy, you are archaic. We need to bring you up to speed. No, I'm, uh, like I said, I'm not a follower, Ron. Yeah, you are to follow. You're not even on Instagram. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you just... Yeah. Lead, follower, get out so, of the way is my... And, this, this and I'm a leader. This is cutting-edge technology. You know, this has been around for a while. But, well, you, you know, know what, I did figure out this cell yeah, phone here, right. so I got a chance. Once people follow, you're in their feed and you pop up every day. I figured feed. out my hummingbird locators this week. <laughs> you did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Tom, I uh, I did get my new hummingbirds, and I'm extremely proud of myself because uh, our friend Dave Olson went out with me for you know one day for an hour or two, and he did show me a couple of things. But his units are different than mine, so I had already figured out most of it by the time he got out there. And I'll tell you what, um, googling is a wonderful thing because you Google and it takes you to a YouTube how-to video and you google huh then you google i just i'm just not following no run but i google and then i and, and i you don't have to follow you just go on and look at the youtube videos and then it, you go on out you try it so i i've pretty much got my new electronics down tom and it's it's unbelievable it's, man they're impre- more impressive than that paper graph you just took off hey? yeah right i no actually i had this i had this like little green box yeah that's right you got a, you got a green box a little flasher well tom you're old enough you probably had the little green box, yes, you know, back when you were young and seeing little green men as well. So how what how did the the green box how did those what were tell us about those Tom? Well, it was just it was a portable flasher. I have one still, a Lorance yeah. flasher in a green box. A portable flasher. Okay, now are they yeah. similar to the the ones guys are using for ice fishing like Vexlars. yet? Vexlars yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yes, only it wasn't colored. You know, you just had it. Correct me, Ron, if I'm wrong. I think uh, it, the 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 light that showed up for depth and everything was red. I think wasn't it, or was yeah, it yeah. green? No, you're right. It was red. Yeah, yeah, it was red. Yeah. You're not old enough to have one of those, Ron. I have one. Yeah. You well, got well, one? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. When did you get that? I had a friend buy it for me. He found it at a garage sale, and he knew I was a fisherman. He's like, man, I, and I remember when I was younger, uh, my uh, my dad and my brother had one. Uh, uh, had one in his garage, but he didn't know how to use it, so he just sold <laughs> well, it. Well, I mean, can but, you even see a fish on those things, or does it look like an old black no, no, and white TV with like a fuzzy a screen? You just now the new Vexlars. I haven't owned one of those, but the new Vexlars have got yellows and greens and yeah. all these different colors. And uh, but you know, hey, for its time, it's it definitely helped people catch fish. Nothing like the technology today, of course. But. Well, with the Vexlars, I will say when I was up with our friend Al Shook in North Dakota perch fishing. I, it was cool. You could see the fish coming on up and looking at your jig. You know, it's like, it's kind of like Pac-Man. One color comes and gets the next one. They merge together and you got a fish on. Uh, I just, uh, I just had never, those old Vexlars, I'd look at those and I'm like, how in the world? did Tom, did you utilize those for your bass fishing tournaments? 
Oh, yeah. You needed it to find the weed line edges for the points, the drop-offs, the hard bottom, soft bottom. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But, you know, now, you know, you have uh, the active targets and you have the Garmin live scopes. And I haven't ice fished in over 25 years, but now that I'm back, I may have to take take it, take that up. But I have friends of mine this year that were out on Oconomowoc Lake and they were in Silver Lake and they were popping down. Garmin has a little ice fishing deal with live scope. They drop it right down the hole and you can turn that thing around. And he says, oh, I could see uh, crappy on a, on a rock pile. He goes 20 feet away. I went and drilled a hole drilled it down and you actually can sit there and watch the fish swim up you know you just the, you can see the fins moving everything you just watch them right come up eat the baits it's just crazy how easy it sounds like it's getting everywhere but the yeah, one place the one place i got to admit i never needed a locator was because uh, i did a lot of shallow water bass fishing a lot of dock fishing you know under docks and pontoon boats and slop and lily pads and things like that and you know and when you're only in a couple feet of water you generally don't need that locator now, Ron, I got a question for you. Uh, if you're out, let, let's say a, a dock is about, you know, at, at at the end of a dock, let's say it's about four feet of water. Can your uh, locator look under that dock? Yes, yes. I can see everything in. I mean, as long as the vegetation doesn't block your field of view yeah. for the uh, transducer. I, I've actually uh, just recently, uh, about two months ago, I was down at Lake Eufaula, Alabama, and I was in my boat was in four feet, but I was shooting up in a foot and a half to two feet of water and the water was dirty and muddy. And I literally could see the pad stems, the lily pad stems, because obviously the water was so cold after winter, there's no uh, visible pads above water, but you could literally see the pad stems poking up about two inches, three inches up off the bottom. And uh, occasionally that's where you'd see the bass because those bass would get up um, on those pad stems to spawn. And the water was too dirty, you couldn't see it, but they were in there, and you can see it. And I, same thing with the dock. I can shoot under a dock, and I can see a brush pile. I can see if there's a bass or a crappie in it and skip a jig or skip something right up underneath it. It's amazing. That's pretty that, cool. It, the technology is really something, Tom. Now, I studied the – I've got the Humminbird, and I studied – I've got the side Im imaging and the Mega360, and you can go on the videos, and the pros will actually show you – screenshots on the water and point out what are fish what are rocks so you can get an idea and and it was really interesting getting out here and being able to see fish and have confidence that what i was looking at were fish it's it's interesting like the side imaging it's it's like shining a bright light and you know sometimes like if you shine a bright if you shine a a, a flashlight uh, towards the floor and you got something between the flashlight and the floor you'll see a shadow on the floor well sometimes the shadow of the fish is what really shows up on the locator um, so you got to kind of know what to look for or if there's a rock with a shadow behind it and you see a bright light uh, th behind that sh on top of that shadow well the shadow the, the bright light can't can't hit that because the rock blocks it but right next to it it's hitting the fish and you see the that's lit up so it's really interesting as far as that goes one tip that i did learn from dave olson was this if any of our listeners get the side imaging i was out on the lake with my side imaging on pewaukee and i'm looking left and right and on the left it always looked like there was this dark area which i thought were weeds right so I do a U-turn and go do a 180 and come back that same direction thinking I should see those weeds, that dark area on the right side of my screen. And it was on my left side of the screen. <laughs> so 
I went around the lake all day thinking, why am I only seeing this on the left side of my screen? What's going on? Well, Dave Olson got out there. He reached back and he trimmed my back motor up a little bit because that side imaging was shooting off. And on the left side is the prop of my boat. So you got to trim your motor up. So important tip, if you get side imaging... Have it mounted in the right spot. Well, it's mounted in the right spot, but you got to trim up. Not a lot, but just trim up just a little bit, and then you'll get the effective side imaging both sides. Yeah, well, we got an a email here that uh, we got to set some, some stuff straight. This is from Keith. Now, first of all, Keith says, I heard on your show that there is a launch behind the post office in North Lake. Well, first of all, Keith, no, years ago there was one there. But I had mentioned last year that the DNR was thinking of buying that property and putting a launch there. Well, the DNR says one thing and does another, so they were thinking about it. I don't know if they've done anything as far as buying that property or not. Anyway, Keith says, I went there yesterday and it was blocked with barrels and had no parking and no trespassing signs. So I guess there is no access to, to the lake. Well, no, that's not correct either, Keith. First of all, there is access if you got maybe a kayak, canoe, or maybe a small john boat over by the river at the north end. Um, there's uh, there's access, but you gotta you gotta drag your kayak, canoe, or small uh, uh, john boat. You gotta drag it almost a hundred yards uh, to get you know from where you park to where you can put it into this shallow river. So then he says, why don't you guys invite someone from the DNR to discuss why they don't force the launch on their land and on the lake? Well, we've talked about that uh, lots, Keith. We discuss that a lot, and it's one of the things that sticks in my craw because the DNR does one thing and then, you know, says one thing and then does a different thing. So we've, we haven't actually talked to anyone from the DNR, Keith, but... That's because we get a lot of stuff that's written and printed by the DNR. So, anyway, but there is a launch at the north end in the creek. You just got to walk a little ways and carry your whatever you're going to put in there. You just can't put a regular boat in it. So, and, so uh, by the what, Dan? Go ahead. So, what you got to do is get like one of those blow-up rubber ducks that you can put around your waist and yeah, there park you and go. Walk, walk down the road with that. There you go. That's about it. And, you know, years ago there was a, a launch uh, behind the post office, and as a matter of fact, the guy who owned the launch said that, uh, he said, this will always be a launch here even when I'm gone. And uh, some, you know, and, he, and his son, I guess, uh, inherited it, and his dad's wishes were to be a launch in perpetuity well the sun turned around and closed it or sold it or did whatever something else to it so yeah there's no no launch behind the post office anymore and that was a lousy lousy sun (laughs) anyway but anyway we we can discuss that more if you got any comments folks 799-1250 is the phone number what when when we come back i want to ask you what perpetuity means tom Okay, you know, on your computer, there's that little thing that looks like a magnifying glass. Click that, and then just type it in, and it'll explain it to you. Do I have to click follow? What? No, not, no follow, no. And and uh, what was that thing you got to follow? Instagrammies? 
like the, the music awards? The <laughs> no, Grammys? Grammys, who you visited at Christmas. It's not yeah. Instagrammys, Instagram. Uh, Grammy's Instagram. something you guys might win someday on this show. If you keep <laughs> yeah. it at this rate. <laughs> and that, uh, that FaceTime. What's that other That's thing it. you said? FaceTime? Facebook. Facebook. Oh, my FaceTime. You're going to have our listeners totally confused. you, you got to go to Barnes & Noble to get one of those books. Tom, go back to that magnifying glass you were just talking about. <laughs> All right, it. folks. Hey, oh. listen, we'll be right back with more on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. FaceTime. on the highway <laughs> put them under pressure oh it's an old joke welcome back to wacky walleye's cutting edge outdoors presented by bait mate fish attractant don't forget the bait mate when you're out fishing i'm dan bush and uh i've got a uh my goal my the goal i have the per, per perpetuity is to finish this show strong ron <laughs> so, good goals i gotta use my new word that i learned from tom so, Tom, we got any more emails hot off the press? No, not right now. No. Well, I got 799-1250, 414-799-1250. If you got a fishing report, question, comment, give us a call. Uh, as far as the report out here on Pewaukee Lake, um, not a whole lot going on right now. The water's still pretty cold. Uh, Tom, when I was out with our friend Dave Olson, you know, you know working on my new electronics, uh, there was a boat on the, uh, I guess it would be the uh, north side of the Narrows, and uh, all of a sudden you saw the guy just go to his knees and start figurating furiously. He's just going at it, so obviously he had a follow from a muskie, and I have seen a number of boats working that shoreline area. Now, whether it's because uh, there, there's lots of fish on that shore, or the fact was for the last couple days with the northern north winds, it's kind of like the only calm part where you're not freezing your tail off in the wind. Um, but there have been some guys out there. As far as crappies, I know a lot of our listeners are anxious to get some crappies. I haven't heard anything from anybody yet about the crappies, but traditionally it's right around Mother's Day weekend uh, that you do get them. And uh, this is Mother's Day weekend, isn't it? Yes, it is. And as a matter of fact, uh, I was told that earlier this week the water temperature was 60 degrees. But, you know, I mean, we've had these uh, days, this whole list last week was only in the 50s, and overnights were in the 40s. So, you know, that water didn't warm up any. As a matter of fact, it might have got a little cooler. Who knows? Uh, did you take a water temperature when you were out? You know what? Uh, is I wasn't really paying attention to that a whole lot. It was on the screen, but I was too busy getting my settings and trying to see what I could see. Uh, you know, with the uh, side imaging and with the uh, Mega 360. Um, I will say, uh, Tom, that that stuff is truly amazing, and you can see up underneath things and so forth. Uh, I don't have the live scope stuff yet. Uh, Ron, have you any experience using, like, the live type? I, I've used them both, yeah. I mean, if you're, uh, especially at the professional level, if you don't have them, I mean, you know, you're 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 a couple steps behind. It's it's a, a very invaluable tool. You just must have. Now you've got the 360, and uh, I, I can't run that because I'm sponsored by Lawrence. We don't have that technology yet, um, but we do have the Active Target right. face forward facing and so forth. 
Um, but ideally, I, I know some guys that they just don't, they're not sponsored by any electronics company because they want to have the best of both worlds. So they'll run a Hummingbird for the 360. So while you're sitting there up on the front bow, you're getting a 360 picture all the way around as you're starting to see now. Right. You can go, boy, I have my boat sitting here on spot lock, and off, which is, of course, another great piece of technology. And off to the right, 20 feet, there's a, a rock pile or a, a break, and I see fish right. there. So you know there's fish there. Now you can take your... Your, and you, you don't have the live scope or active imaging. Now you take that and you pan it over because, you know, that has to refresh itself each time as it goes around on the 360. Right, right. So you can see there's fish over there. But to actively see if there's swimming, I've seen it where, uh, and I was in a friend's boat too, where he could see the rock pile off to the right, and then he would pan over with his uh, pan optics or his uh, active target and then see the bass, and you'd see him swimming from one rock pile to the other. And you could actually see then in 12 feet of water that they weren't right on the bottom. They were sitting three feet up. And it gives you live time. And you can right. see what they're doing, how they're reacting to your baits. And it's just a it's a it, one-two punch it, you have to have. It, it Exactly. And I actually saw an online video from a pro like yourself who did recommend having both. Um, so the 360, it's also interesting because Dave Olson showed me this, Tom. You can adjust the speed. So if you think about the Mega 360... Think about the second hand going around a clock, right? Which obviously just goes at one speed on a clock. But you can adjust the speed on your Mega 360 where it's going around faster. And what happens is, is it makes that shoot around and you'll mark a fish. But then the next time it, the, your, your so-called second hand goes around the dial, the fish will not be in the same spot, but you might see it off to the side a little bit and you're like okay the fish just moved over there so, you know because most fish aren't necessarily just sitting in one spot a lot of times they're moving so it really is interesting technology and i can see where once you have the live scope once you mark a fish with the mega 360 you can say okay well what what is that over there is that a carp or is that a bass exactly. i want to try and target you turn your your the live scope on to it where you can actually see it um and see, you know, what the shape of the body pretty clearly, and uh, and so it's not like a camera necessarily, but I mean the the, the I guess the resolution on those things is ama amazing. Now, uh, Humming Hummingbird is going to come out with their own version of the live scope uh, at some point, and I was talking to our friend Dave Olson, and at some point, who knows, maybe I'll update to that. But uh, the stuff's not cheap. If I, any of our listeners are looking to get this stuff. Uh, the Humminbird Gen 4 stuff is out, but for you to get new stuff, I mean, I was lucky to find the two units that I did and able to get them. Uh, I was uh, talking to our friends at Anchors Away when I first inquired about getting the 9, the size 9 Helix, and they had told me like, uh, I don't know, a month, two months ago, that they had ordered a bunch of those since October and still hadn't got them. So there really is a demand for the electronics, I guess. So if you're looking to upgrade, get them while you're while they're hot. Get wherever you find them. Yeah, yeah and it's... you know, you mentioned anchors away. Not only do they sell them, but they will install them for you too, and they do a terrific job of it. Yeah, yeah, you definitely want to have someone install it for you. I, I know I got some friends there. They're the type of guys that do it themselves. Uh, our friend Steve Milliot was the type who could put all his new electronics in, but. I'll tell you what, I, I'm still learning how to plug in a, a lamp. So, uh, yeah, get someone to do it. I think we got a caller here, Tom. All righty. Let's go to Dennis in Boulder Junction. Hey, hey. Boulder Junction Connection. Hey, Dennis. 
Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good, good. Sorry to cut you short last week, but uh, how's everything up there in God's country? It's wonderful. It's a little cool right now. Our temperature this morning was 27 degrees. Oh, and, my goodness. Uh, so that's, the winter is coming back, for crying out loud. But it's supposed to warm up. Uh, the water temperature up here for fishing is right around between 47 and 49 degrees. And, and uh, we need to warm it up just a little bit, but the walleye action is pretty good. And uh, the crappie action you get in the afternoons when the bays start warming up, you'll get some good crappie action as well. So it's, uh, it's starting. We've got, we got a cold front that's sitting here, and it's kind of blocking the warmer air from coming up. I don't know if you guys got it warmer down there. but uh, Not much. No, not much. Uh, it's, we're in the doldrums here. But I think next week it's supposed to start warming up, and that will really improve, improve the fishing. So... So but, uh, things are working good. I was listening to your story about the Halix. That's what I have. And uh, Anchor's the way installed mine. I would never want to install one. It's, uh, there's just too much. They do a better job. Let them do it. So. Yeah, and, and Dennis, uh, last week was the opener. Um, did you see a large, you know, years ago, the opener of fishing in northern Wisconsin used to be like, uh, it was like the opening of deer season almost. Everybody and their brother was coming on up there, and I think walleye fishing mostly. Do you still see a big influx of people coming on up for the opener, or, or what's the scoop? Yeah, this year, Dan, we did. Uh, all the, the major lakes, uh, there was a great deal. There. Uh, we had early ice out, of course, so that helped. But uh, there was a lot of boats this year and, and, and people coming up for fishing and uh, one lake in particular, Trout Lake, which is a major big lake up here, that had uh, three different landings, and a friend of mine counted the rigs. There were 57 rigs on a total of all three landings, and they were parked on the sides and the roads and everything else. So that means there was a lot of people up here fishing. But and the lakes that I was on, there was a lot of people parked out parking lots. So there was a lot of activity. Now, Trout Lake, though, that's, what is that, three, 4,000 acres? Yes, that's a huge lake. It's 117 feet uh, deep, but with the wind blowing this last weekend, uh, it made it tough to fish. But uh, the walleyes were up on what they call the rock bars and some of the bars, and and uh, they were getting some fish, but it wasn't. They weren't uh, setting records. But uh, fishing, you know, it has to warm up a little bit more yet, and I think that's really going to start taking off. Uh-huh. Oh. But it's, uh, it's nothing but uphill now. We're going to have good fishing here for the next, somebody wants to come up and fish in this area. Uh, you're going to have pretty good fishing here, especially if it warms up a little bit. Now, is, uh, is Trout Lake one of the lakes that is speared by the Native Americans in your area? Yes, it is. I don't know what the count was this year that was speared, how many fish were taken on that lake, but uh, I didn't get the report, and I would probably be getting it here this next week getting a copy of it just to see but that that lake is feared yes it is now isn't that the big deep clear lake that everybody always claimed they'd get their their giant muskie out of yeah there are some large muskies in that lake and it gets fish heavily for muskies and uh there are some nice fish in that lake but it is very clear water very clear and it's a good lake trout lake too right yes it is there's a lot of lake trout in there uh and it's fun uh, the fish, the lake trout have to be 30 inches before you can keep one, but uh, and it requires an inland trout stamp. But uh, uh, you can get some good lake trout fishing, especially in the fall of the year, just before the season closes. And you've caught them over 30 inches, right? 
Oh, yeah, I've bought a few out there. Uh, the ones I'd like to keep, you can't keep them, of course, is the 27-inchers. <laughs> you know, well, you catch a lot of those. We well, like Dennis, Dennis, you could keep them. You just don't want to get caught keeping them. Well, yeah, it, <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a good thing, that's for sure. No, it would not. No, not at all. No, it's not worth it. So. But it's fun to catch them. I took my son-in-law last year, and we were going for whitefish. And uh, all we were catching were lake trout, and I said we got to move. I said we got to go find the whitefish. And he says uh, if you don't want, if you don't mind, I just assume catch him. He says I'm having fun doing that. So yeah. Uh, well, Dennis, we appreciate the fishing report, and uh, like you said, things will just get better as the war- water warms up. Yeah, I'll keep in touch with you guys and let you know how things are changing in case somebody wants to make a trip up here. All right, thanks, Dennis. Thanks, okay, Dennis. Talk, talk to you was- up later. All right, that's Dennis Royce, our Boulder Junction connection. And right now, folks, we got to go to the last break of the show. So stay tuned. Don't move because we got one more segment to do right here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. We're in our final segment, so I figured, uh, being as uh, Tom, being as you thoroughly confused everybody at uh, about the 7.30 mark, I'm going to let uh, Ron run, the, run his contest by one more time for our listeners so they have a chance to win. Take it, Ron. Oh, this is going to be a quick one then since we did this already. But, uh, hey, guys, just give um, give myself a follow and wide effect. we got two contests going on. I'm giving away Bass Pro Shop gift card uh, every month now through September. All you have to do is give me a follow, and it's at RJ Fishing Pro on Instagram or Ron Johnson on Facebook and then uh, Wide Effect USA on Instagram. Just uh, follow us, and uh, every month we're going to uh, draw a random uh, winner for a $50 to $100 Bass Pro Shops gift card. Now, the big one's the five to $700 prize every month. is a combination of a lot of great tackle prizes and $200 cash, which is, of course, given uh, by Wide Effect, uh, who's a sponsor of your show. So all you have to do is spot my rig. It can be the boat, the truck, combination of all, anywhere. Take a picture of it, tag us. And I did forget to mention, though, in the earlier half of your show, that if people actually go to my Instagram or on Facebook, there is actually a video on there that talks in depth and shows what my rig looks like, talks about the details of the contest, and uh, shows some of the prizes we're giving away. So it's just an awesome thing. I I appreciate followers, and uh, my sponsors have been nice enough to kick in all kinds of prizes. So rods, reels, tackle, uh, I mean, we're getting new stuff uh, weekly to give and throw in, so the, I think the prize package is. And, and just a tip for our listeners: you might catch him at a nail salon getting his nails done too. So you can always watch oh, for him. Geez. You can always watch for him there. That's probably where you. That's a. That's probably. Not hey, where you're uh, so uh, rips aside, uh, I got a, a several uh, several texts have been coming in. Uh, one from our old fishing buddy Scott, who used to fish with myself and Ron in a little <laughs> canoe many years ago. Those are stories someday we'll get into. Uh, but I got one from Nick in Pewaukee. My friend Nick in Pewaukee sent me a text, Tom, with a couple of beautiful-looking fish. One is a big walleye, and one is a big bass. And I guess uh, he probably doesn't mind me saying this on the air, being as he texted it during the show. It said uh, Fox Lake. He says Fox Lake is rocking right now. Oh, wow. Well, I got to say that I uh, I went on your site, Ron, rjfishing.com. Yes. And uh, you got a beautiful truck and boat, and I took a picture of it. 
Does that count? No, you're you're not eligible, Tom. You can't. You're part of the show. You you know that's the known thing. If you're part of the station, you're part of the show. You can't win anything. You can't take prizes away from your listeners. No, this is for our listeners, Tom. There you there you go. Just thinking about yourself again. But you know that is you know speaking of that, Tom. Though that's a much easier way for your listeners if they just go to RJ Fishing. The videos on there about the contest, and then the upper right of the website, there's the, the direct link to both the Facebook and the Instagram, which is much easier than somebody driving down the road right now looking for a pen to scratch it. Yeah, there oh, you go. Yeah, just rjfishing.com. Yep, my initials yep. are. Oh, that's a great idea. Good, good job, Tom. Tom, you did you really, through, you really man. came through, man. I, you know, he used that magnifying and glass he used, again. And Google. He's learning technology. Yeah, you are cutting edge. I see where you guys get the name of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cutting edge of the 1900s. <laughs> Uh, oh boy! Well, we're in our last segment here. Um, again, four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty. If we got any last minute uh, reports, uh, as far as uh, now, next week you'll be up in the tournament. Uh, just for our listeners, I may or may not be here uh, next week Saturday. I have some things going on right now. Hopefully, I'll be here. But uh, if not, uh, hopefully we can get some reports going. And uh, uh, Ron, hopefully now after next week's tournament. You can call back the following week and tell us how you won the doggone thing. That would be fantastic. I'm definitely going to give it my all. I've, I've done pretty well in the fall ones. I've finished top five the last two times, but uh, I want to hold the, the trophy for sure. So tell us real quick, if you got a second, you're part of a new fishing league. What exactly is that league called, and how do people Google and find it if they want to uh, try and follow? Yes, hey, you guys, check out this. It's the National Professional Fishing League. Uh, there's some uh, great guys who've been in part of the league and some, some owners and, um, of some pretty major tackle companies, they've gotten together and created a new league last year. It's been a few years in the works and, uh, you've heard of Bassmasters, you've heard of ML major league fishing. Well, we have the national professional fishing league and there's 110 anglers in the world that were selected to compete in this. You can get online, watch it live all days of competition. Uh, we've had two of the six events already this year. There'll also be a championship, but uh, we have cameramen in the boat, and it's just like watching MLF. You go uh, from one guy to the next, and it's a really, really uh, interactive, fun uh, tournament to watch. And we've got some great personalities. If you're in the bass world, people have heard of Luke Duncan and David Dudley, who's one of the all-time money winners uh, who host it. And then we have Fat Cat Newton, who's who's just a crazy guy on the water, and he's out there to harass us and bring a little level of entertainment. But it's entertaining. Um, it, it really is, and uh, it's it's an awesome way for your viewers to follow me and uh, just watch anglers and, and hey, for us bass junkies, it's another great circuit. So Fat Cat Newton, <laughs> oh yeah, Newton, He's about is that like Slender Dan? Yeah, it's like Slender Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Slender Dan. So yeah, it's it's pretty awesome though. I'm excited to be a part of this league, and you guys are gonna just see it uh, grow and grow. Yeah, well that sounds good, Ron. We look yeah, forward to having forward you on to again and. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some of that stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Yes, and there's great content for your listeners, listeners to see on uh, online already if they want to get caught up and learn more about the league and what's happening if they've kind of missed it. But, uh, yeah, huge following already, and it's quickly growing to be one of the premier leagues. Then after Sturgeon Bay now, what's the next tournament after that? After uh, I turn and burn, I head all the way down to the Harris Chain of Lakes for uh, the National Professional Fishing League stop number three, uh, Harris Chain of Lakes. And uh, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be a hot one. June in Florida? My, I don't oh know my how to deal with the humidity, but it'll be interesting. Is that large? 
largemouth and small? Just largemouth. All largemouth. There's no small. And the big Florida strain, too. They're Florida strain, but I don't think you're going to see the big 20, 30, no. 20 pound sacks. I, you know, typically that time of year, if you can pull in about 15 pounds, it's a, it's a big deal. That's, so. that's pretty good. So, well, I guess uh, I guess we got about a minute yep. left. And uh, we gotta, again, I guess we got to run. Yeah. So. Yep. So uh, that's all I got. Okay. And uh, Ron, thanks for being on the show today. It's always a joy to talk to you. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate you having me, and uh, thanks for your listeners for putting up with me, too. <laughs> to all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. Get out there, do a little fishing, my friends. God bless. We'll talk to you next week. Taste that-